focus on disability rugby in this week's Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. WIU operational lead in disability rugby, Darren Carew, is clear about his targets. It's great because we've got a strategy and I've got a plan to take things forward to be able to facilitate and strengthen what's existing and build where there isn't anything. Wales prop Gethin Jenkins explains what keeps him motivated to carry on playing. That's probably the biggest thing I'll miss when I finish is the routine of preparing for that game with the game without the men, the routine of getting yourself ready on a match day to, to perform as best you can. Mike Gavin Henson is expecting to play a slightly different role for the Dragons this season. I think I've got to take a little bit of a backseat to start and see if those boys take a chance for the uncover in 10, 12, 15, wherever they need me basically. So this week we'll have a special focus on disability rugby in Wales. A chance to hear some pretty interesting stories. Firstly, the WIU have a new strategy in place, along with Darren Carew, an operational lead for disability rugby in Wales. He has quite a story to tell. I was initially uh, 17 and a half years in the military. I was injured out in Afghanistan in uh, 2008. During that, uh, probably a five-year period then, um, while recovering from my injuries, I went through operation after operation, um, trying to save my left leg, and then eventually opted to have my leg amputated, which sounds a bit scary to some people, but you know it was quite freeing for me because I was on a lot of painkillers at the time. And it sort of gave me my life back. Off the backside of that then, what... Um, I got into adaptive sport, got engaged in the build-up towards the Invictus Games, you know, like uh, the Warrior Games and all this out in the States, and I started competing out there, and then somehow started coaching people, like my own competitors, and when I got back, I thought, you know what, you know, I I gained so much from coaching, from working with with people and helping try to get the best out of them, that's probably where I need to be. So I ended up getting onto my uh, coaching course, and the guy that was running it, didn't know that I only had one leg so when we went to do the warmer he was a bit a bit taken aback but I took full part in, in everything and afterwards he invited me down down here when we completed the course and it just it just blew me away you know the experience you know there's so much power in sport how it can engage and, and empower you know these these young people that have probably not had the same um, opportunities as others as time has progressed you know, I've seen it again and again and again. People say to me, oh, you know, my, my son, my daughter, they, you know, they've never been able to do this. Or I've spoken to teachers and said, oh, we've never been able to get that young lad engaged in anything. And, you know, there's so much value in it. I really meant what I said. You know, we, we're affecting positive change. Um, so to be able to be in a position now where we can build on that and provide you know, rugby offerings across the whole of Wales is immense. So just to go back to Afghanistan almost, presumably yeah. an explosion of some sort, was it? Is that? Yeah, um, I was commanding a, uh, a Mastiff, which is like a big massive armoured vehicle, um, out in um, Musakala. I was lead call sign, I was a corporal at the time, and my vehicle, we went over a, um, an IED, detonated underneath the vehicle. Luckily the vehicle was so strong that it bore most of the blast and pushed it away from us. But sadly the, the floor plates of the vehicle burst upwards and the bolts sort of sheared um, one of the washers sort of hit my heel and badly damaged my calcaneus and my foot was dislocated and the blast went up through about midway up my shin so my leg was a bit crunchy to walk on to say the least. <laughs> I'd also taken a bump on the head but I didn't really think 
too much of it at the time because I had two of my team that were injured. It was only further down the line that it, it turned out that I, I suffered a maltraumatic brain injury. So my leg, obviously, I had continuous problems with that. I couldn't walk barefoot because I had nerve damage on the bottom. You know, I had lost range of movement from my ankle, which just was really, really hard. And then I've been diagnosed with PTSD as well. I've got a real problem with um, with screaming. After being in a confined space of an armoured vehicle with one of your soldiers who's screaming until he passes out. One of the things that's really uh, stuck with me, so that's a bit of a trigger. I mean, you would think that possibly at an event where you've got quite a lot of children and they're running around and screaming, it would, um, it would affect me. But I'm so focused on my coaching and what I'm doing, it just gives me the ability to get past it. So yeah, I mean that's that's me in a nutshell to be honest. So presumably you had a background in rugby as well. Oh uh, yeah, I mean like I'm a typical Welsh lad. Where you first learn how to have a couple of beers. Yeah, I started playing as a young lad. Once I got into the military in '98, I played a little bit of rugby in the military. But I quickly realised, especially coming from a military family, that it's not particularly suitable because the banter that you get from everyone for being a tracksuit soldier isn't great. So I focused on uh, on the soldier inside of it and just sort of carried on watching my rugby, but you know, stopped playing as such. And yeah, that worked out really well for me. <laughs> so now, in your role, I just think it's, it's a different saying it, and it's a completely different thing to put someone in place who's passionate about it to achieve it. Mm. So that's you. Yeah, well, you know, we've been working towards it for such a long time. I've been running the schools programme, really, really sort of pushing that to prove the value in it. Not that I need to prove the value, because Ryan is so bought into it, he's so immersed in it, it's something that's very close to his heart. So I'm always going to be, you know, speaking to somebody, you know, speaking the same language as I. But it is, you know, like, it's, it's great because we've got a strategy and I've got a plan to take things forward to be able to facilitate and look at what's existing strengthen what's existing and build where there isn't anything you know and provide so each of these regions north wales included up in rgc everyone has got a rugby offering that fits with what their age might be where they're at so if you're in school there's something there for you you know on the weekends there's something there for you if you want to go and have a couple of beers when you're older and you want to get in in a team environment you know you can't understate how important mixed ability teams are they're huge they're so good that is about as inclusive as it gets and you know going in the, the clubhouse after training being with a couple of the teams you know it's a proper rugby team and the social side is so important because that's how you develop self-confidence self-belief it's not just the sport it really really develops the person so your background in the army obviously very focused on on achieving targets on organizational side oh, of it. i mean yes. that sounds like a perfect sort of combination doesn't it it's, i've always been very 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 hands-on before i was injured i was building up towards um going to sandhurst to be um an instructor so the army had invested a huge amount of money in sending me away to do a, a ton of different courses so i'm qualified to teach a, a young officer pretty much anything with all of that skills and ability and um, organisational skill. When you're injured and all of a sudden you don't know what what's going to happen, you know you think, oh, well, I'm never going to be able to utilise any of those skills again. But it's quite surprising, like yeah, with 
I mean, like some of my coaches have said to me, oh, you know, when you're running a, an event and things like that, it's it's like clockwork. Da, da, da. You know, I like to have a lot of structure there. And you would think maybe, uh, you know, like if you look at stereotypes, maybe uh, an angry sergeant as I was when I left wouldn't be the right type to be working with, um, you know, with kids with disabilities. But I enjoy it so much. You know, there's a solid structure that underpins everything we do, whether it's running a session, an event, or bigger. You know, it has to be because it's about the organisation. You, you know, professionalism runs through everything that, that I do. You know, that's just ingrained in me from years in the military. But it's about being professional, but providing that engagement for the kids. So if they're having fun and you're having fun, it's it, it's not hard. It's effortless. You put the hard work in, but it's so much so much fun. I suppose winning a Grand Slam is pretty rewarding, but some of the stuff you do must be right up there. <laughs> I love what I do. You know, I've. Um, Personally, because of PTSD and things like that, it's, you know, even though I sort of portray myself, you know, or I come across as quite a confident person, you struggle with depression and self-doubt and all these sorts of things. It's so freeing to be able to make a difference to people's lives to have a kid come up to you and give you a high five after a rugby session and say oh Darren that was the best you know there's been times where I've had festivals and I've been talking to the kids and saying right who's your favourite rugby player and like they'll shout my name out and I'm like yeah but you know I, I might have a famous rugby player with me at the time yeah. he's going to give them medals and it just goes to show the difference and my office at home is just filled with uh, thank you cards of these kids and they've got pride of place for me I, I absolutely love it you know it, it, making a difference I mean it, it, it's it's very healing experience for me. Now I'm going to strategy through to 2020 and beyond. Mm. Give me a picture of what rugby for all abilities is going to be like in in three, five, ten years. Oh well, I'm hoping that there'll be no gaps in our regional plan. So we will have an offering at every single level. The Warriors and the Gladiators, the Chiefs and the teams that are yet to be formed um, in that mixed ability sort of uh, area, you know, will be going strength to strength. We will be supporting them, making sure they, you know, their coaches, their players have got the ability to go on to coaching courses because we don't want it to just be a playing experience. We want to be able to look at how we can speak to people with disabilities and say, look, you know, do, are you interested? I mean, like, I've got one leg. I'm a coach. I run around all day. I've got no problem with that. There's other people out there that love the sport and can offer a lot. So there might be people that want to officiate. There might be people that can coach. People that can assist the coaches that are out there. So there's a lot more to it. So we want to build with those teams, you know, and, and really be able to push them on social media and give them a voice. Obviously, they would be able to speak to me if they've got any issues. You know, like say they're struggling with fixtures, and you know we can sort that out. Align with the regions as well. Like say for example, Ospreys in the community. So they have a strong link with the teams in their region as well so we can get the kids from one of the inclusive community clubs that you know in the safe the Ospreys region for example they can come along and they can do a half-time parade you know they can play on the pitch you know they feel like they're part of the region so it's all about just pulling all of these jigsaw pieces together and putting together but then covering it with glue so no parts can come apart so you know we we put a lot of emphasis on sustainability and that's what it is it's about putting something in place so it's just going to go from strength to strength and I'm I'm hoping when I'm long gone things are still in place and things are still running going strength to strength because you know what are we first we're Welsh you know Welsh people love rugby you know so let's provide it for everyone Right, well, good to speak to you. Good to see the first ever WIU branded artificial <laughs> leg I've ever seen. I know, yeah. I get into so much trouble. You know, it was like, you need a branded leg. So I was like, yeah, that, that's my arts and crafts skills, that is. <laughs> we heard a bit about Nathalie Wanderers there, so let's fill in some more detail. 
Gwilym Lewis. Jimmy Evans. With uh, coaches of Nathalie Warriors. Both. Player coaches, chairman, secretary. Yeah. I'll start with you, Gwilym. Just explain who are Nathalie Warriors, what you do. Right, okay. Uh, Nathalie Warriors is a mixed ability side based in Nathalie. We've been going for 21 years now. So what we do is we look to include players with learning disabilities primarily or any other disabilities in basically social games. We try and play about 20 games a year against uh, other normal teams, other social sides, veterans, second teams. And we try and give people with learning disabilities the chance to sort of get involved with rugby at the sharp ends, not watching or carrying water on the field tackling people. So Jamie, just give it for people who haven't seen it. Give us a picture of what a game is like. Game is very much like a game that you'd get on a on a Saturday watching a normal seconds game. Really, you get get high tackles, good ball play, but we we also like disability people involved in the game and get them to have a bit more of a social atmosphere as well. On the field, we make sure that we get as many boys on the on the ball as we can and working through the skill building of of a, of a game essentially, so that they can play a regular game of rugby just like you and I really. How easy is it to get opponents and uh, sort of regular matches? We play what 20 plus games a season now. Uh, we're, we're doing pretty well with our fixtures. Play against regular clubs, regular clubs in the area, as well as travel through to Cardiff and beyond. We do tours in England, Scotland. We've been in New Zealand and Samoa recently. We, we played games across across the world, really. So have the WRU putting this in place, putting people behind it, how much of a difference does that make to you? I, I think you know, they, they spoke about the WRU brand and it legitimises everything. When you get someone like Ryan putting on a shirt for uh, half a game or something, that obviously sort of um, brings attention to us. It's, it lets people know about what we're doing. I think there's some practical help they can give us, sort of just making sure that everything in terms of sort of insurance and stuff is right. It's about supporting a club that, a bit like our players, you need a little bit of extra help sometimes and a little bit of extra profile so that people understand what we're doing. And the WRU coming on board... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing for us. It, it legitimises what we've been doing for quite a while and look forward to other sides starting up. And the message we've heard from Ryan, that rugby can be a game for anyone, presumably you support wholeheartedly. Well, exactly. It, you know, it is a national sport. I mean, it was our boys, you know, they grow up in Llanelli, they get all the history and, and, and all the culture, but unless there's a side that's able to sort of take just a little bit more time and a bit of an effort for them, then, then they're totally excluded from that. They've grown up seeing Phil Bennett in, in Tesco's and watching the Scarlets on their, their European adventures and like anybody else they want, they want to get involved you know their brothers uncles fathers sisters you know all play rugby and now they've got their own war stories and their own experiences good and bad to be honest you know muddy fields hot days in Samoa you know it's all part of the rugby culture and they're, they're fully part of it they're not marginalised they're right in the middle creating their own history and, and helping other clubs make it you know, part of the fabric and, and weaving more fabric to it so, yeah. so New Zealand Samoa some pretty exciting things in the past what's in the future next? Well, just keep more of what we're doing, really. Keep on, keep pushing through and playing our local rugby, and keep on working at there. Obviously, more worldwide tours will be uh, in the future with the Brownie Points. Sponsor, 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 sponsor us now, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get some sponsorship deals and go on. Uh, maybe more rugby worldwide. Uh, I mean, mixability rugby now is is becoming more of a worldwide thing, anyway. And if we're do our part to promote that and do a bit of travelling, and in the meantime, then <laughs> happy days. Yeah. Great. Good luck with it. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. 
one area of disability rugby. Another is the Wales Deaf Rugby setup. Here's Chair Gwyn Griffiths to explain more. We encourage obviously all our players, as they would do almost nationally, to play for their local clubs. Now we then have to sort of say, okay, where do the next lot of deaf rugby internationals come? And of course they come from the deaf schools and units in Wales. There are 23 of them in, in Wales. And there's over 4,000 deaf and hard of hearing children. And lots of them work underneath what's known as Bartod, British Association of Teachers of the Deaf. And in lots of these units, of course, because they're very small units, you wouldn't have the sports teacher, the PE teacher that other schools would have. So we go and do the sessions and then encourage them to come along with a charitable setup. And that means with, with support from things like the Millennium Trust, Moondance, which is Admiral, from the Barbarians Charitable Fund, it means that we're able to take them to all the top venues in Wales. We welcome them, in fairness. They actually do their sessions here, and that encourages them to join their uh, local club. That's really how it works. So charitable status, so you can draw funding from all sorts of other places. Exactly. But, and to see the efforts being put in by the WIU, mm. do, what does that take from what you do already in terms of improving well, it going forward? Well, I think what you've said, the um, union have been really quite proactive, and, and they've got coaches now, in particular all the big sort of secondary schools, who will go out. So it's identifying some of those deaf and, uh, and hard of children. As we said. We were the only sport in Wales that actually took sport to these deaf and hard of hearing units. So the union picked up on that. I was able to twist good old Dennis Gethin's arm to become our president as well. That gave us profile. And in fact, in two weeks' time, we've got our annual capping ceremony where the Principality Stadium, because I think it's really important that they are seen and, and treated exactly the same as all the other Welsh teams. And obviously the World Cup itself, there's a deaf World Cup, which is quite a, quite a big event. And yeah. you know, Although players are, are obviously deaf or hard of hearing, they can be athletically pretty gifted. There's some pretty good rugby played at that event, exactly. isn't there? Exactly, yeah. Well, exactly so, that's it. And in fact, in, uh, to, again, grow the game, because certain of the smaller nations perhaps don't get uh, full teams of ourselves, England, New Zealand... Australia have is actually a World Deaf Sems and that again will grow World Deaf Rugby as an organisation there is no organisation World Deaf Rugby so that again should encourage more youngsters because without grassroots you don't have a sport deal you know I think it's I, I see it going round from the uh, Six Nations advertising without grassroots there is no sport you know so that's really and just saying giving those people who are disabled uh, the opportunity. Now a focus on two of the more experienced players in Welsh rugby. In fact, they both played key parts in the 2005 Wales Grand Slam together. Prop Gethin Jenkins and back Gavin Henson. Let's hear from Jenkins first. So what keeps him going? Probably the games. Won't hide from that, you know, running out on the field on Saturday. That's my, my main... Um, driving force and you know like everyone will say you're a long time retired and that's probably the biggest thing I'll miss when I finish is the routine of preparing for that game week, out, week in week out and then the routine of getting yourself ready on a match day to, to perform as best you can and then you know probably not talked about as much these days but the, the buzz of winning after the game and maybe sharing a, a drink with your, your teammates and enjoying the victories and 
you know, obviously you don't enjoy the, the losses, but that that feeling you get when you when you lose is probably just as important so you can pick yourself up for the week after. It can't get any easier getting yourself ready for the physical style of game that you play. Yeah, it's sometimes you think you know, you know, am I done here? And then someone will say, well, everyone's sore. It's not just you. you know, after a game, it's not just you who's feeling that. You sort of enjoy the the challenge of of doing as much as you can. Sometimes if you know if you lose a game or you know, you've had a bump, then you think, right, did I do everything right? Was everything in my routine, you know, on track? Where I gave myself the best chance of performing to my best of my ability on that weekend. Um, I suppose when that does stop and my drive to do that does stop, I suppose that's when I know it's time to call it a day. All the youngsters speak so highly of you. Half of them are scared of you, I think. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, it's <laughs> they all talk about the, the hard and high standards that you drive. Where did you get that from? Who taught you that? Yeah, you probably pick up things over the years. Captain, you pick up off different captains, you know, their qualities. You, I suppose you just, you can see what standards people achieve. You know, someone like Johnny Wilkinson's probably the the top end of it, and he's probably even further again, but that comes with it being a kicker. You know, they're probably the most dedicated a lot, because they they have to be, because, because of the, the situations they find themselves in in the game. But, um, no, I suppose you just pick up bits and bits of information over the years um, and obviously I've been, been around a long time now so even if it's like I've told some of the younger boys if you pick one bit of knowledge up off, off each coach you, you have during your career you know that all comes together you find out the things that work for you and find out the things that, that perhaps don't work for you and then you sort of build your mantra and your routine. Till Lewis when we asked him about you and he said oh if you hit a ruck at the wrong height you know about it if you don't do something in training you know about it so it's it, it's all the way through you seem to have pulled a lot of these young players with this new team through to a level that perhaps some of them might not have achieved if you hadn't been in yeah I suppose a lot of that down is to the honesty and the culture and, and, and stuff like that I think there's a, there's a good leadership group here I think there's good boys coming through into that 25 to 30 age bracket where they're leading from the front as well and people like Matthew Reese have been a big part of that as well uh, I suppose just when we're on the training field and anywhere really downstairs or anything I suppose that's making sure that everyone's accountable and no one's slacking um, I suppose if you're working as hard as you can like, and you see someone who's being lazy or, or not doing their homework or, or not knowing what their role is in a play or something on the field then yeah it does give my back up and another, I'll let them know that and I suppose if it makes them next time work harder or do something right, then I suppose I'm happy that I've done. Do you miss playing for Wales? Uh, yeah, I, I do miss it. I haven't really put myself in the, the frame to be playing for Wales in the last year, to be honest. As in, I didn't really expect to be anywhere near it because of the injuries and stuff. So getting back out there, being on the field as much as I can and putting performances in I can. Sometimes, though, the further you are away from an international career, the better it looks and yours is one of the greatest um, that's a difficult one to, to comment on you back the boys to do as well as you can you know, like anyone else I'm a big supporter of the team and when you've been there you know, only being out to the camp for six months to a year I know how hard they work up there to get the results and know how much pressure they're under and the bubble they try to keep themselves in because of how high intensity and how hard the, the games are to win so still keep an eye on as much as I can and um, at the moment, I'm just concentrating on getting back on the field as much as I can. The culture that Warren's had there, though, has, has, has that rubbed off on you? Is that perhaps some of the things that we're seeing now at the Scarlets and, and here, you know, that culture's coming, spreading into the regions? Yeah, over the years I've learnt off 
pretty much every coach I've had. There's a lot I've learned from Gats and that, that coaching team over the time. I, you know, I've been ingrained in it for for so long, so I've bound to have picked up a lot of stuff. Mm. And yeah, a lot of it is about working hard and being honest to each other and and stuff like that, and making sure that when you get out on the Saturday, you giving yourself the best chance of winning that game. So they've all had a big imprint on on the way I suppose I deliver myself and the way I try and captain this team. Some of us have been watching you for 20 odd years now, 19, yes. under-19 World Cup final yeah. or whatever, I mean you couldn't have imagined you'd, you'd be here now still mm. plug it on until you're 39, yeah. hopefully 40 or more. That's a, a long, long time, a lot of scrums, a lot of rucks hit. Yeah, you know, you adapt I suppose as well because the game's changed so much, you know, it's probably gone again now to a faster game than perhaps it was four or five years ago where everyone was just getting as big as they could and heavy as they could and the aim of the game was to you know be as strong as you can carrying the ball and running over people but now the game's changed again so that's probably the, the key the adapting to the physical needs of the game and obviously the, the tactical needs of the game when it changes and it has been a lot of bumps, yeah, I'll take that, but you know, obviously the recovery has changed, all the physical stuff that you do with the conditioners and the physios, all that is up the notch, so I suppose it goes hand in hand, you know, the, whereas the game has changed, then you know, all the technology is, is up as well. How long do you warm up routine before you play a game or before you train in sessions? I tend to do 45 minutes in the morning just my prep really to make sure it's a bit of everything, a lot of just mainly stuff in the gym to get get the body uh, awake at my age, a bit of physio and then obviously into all the, the day's training just means coming in a bit earlier. Um, I've recruited one of the youngsters with me who, who needs it as well, I can't tell his name, but um, just like I said, basically making sure that you're keeping on top of it because you know, at, at the age I'm at you probably need a bit extra to someone who's 21 and rocks up and just goes out on the, the training paddock. One player who's as keen as anyone in the training paddock is Gavin Henson at the Dragons. He's finding it a very different place to last season. Oh yeah, obviously we've got a lot of quality players in this year, as you can see. Um, so recruitment's gone well. Training standards gone much higher than it was last year. So big confidence throughout the squad. Obviously can't wait to start playing now with uh, Elian on Saturday. When you're looking around at fellow Lions, fellow internationals, are you beginning to think this is more where I, what I'm used to, what I, what I, <laughs> where I've been elsewhere? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, like I said, the standard of training has gone up, so, but it all counts on game day. Obviously, we all know we're under pressure straight away, we need to win. Even these pre-season games, we need to win these. Yeah, sort of changed the sort of perspective, I understand. Do you look back on last year as something that was ultimately a bit frustrating as the injury sort of crept in? That was a bit of a nightmare to get that injury in training, so I was gutted with that. But, yeah, you know, the whole season wasn't great, probably personally and on the whole, you know... Um, but I think you know we learnt a lot from it, and obviously Bernard was, was trying to find out a few boys, so he's found them out and brought in the players he wants. So obviously training is a lot different now, we have a new system. So I think that suits me personally. I think it suits us with all the players he's brought in. So yeah, like I said, we're excited and really confident going into season. I think I've got to take a little bit of a back seat to start and see if those boys take the chance. But yeah, I'm covering 10, 12, 15, wherever they need me basically. Um, but hopefully I can force my way in the team. I uh, when I get my chance, I've got to take it and. If I get the nod then, try and get that starting spot to try and be first choice, which is going to be tough, but it's a nice challenge for me, so that's that's my goal to start with. Every time I get a chance, I've got to, got to take it and put pressure on the other boys then. Obviously, the management under pressure as well on how we finished last year, so they need wins. So, yeah, there's going to be no messing around this year. He's probably going to pick his strongest team every week. Um, that's what we want as players, and uh, hopefully I can get in that. 
How many seasons think you got left, Jan? No, I know. You know, like, <laughs> for the last how many years, I've always treated it as my last. You know, personally, I'd love to go one more year professionally. So that's a big drive for me this year to, to get that next year. And you're doing a bit of coaching as well? Yeah, I'm going to do my levels this year and I'm going to do level one and level two. I think it's something I want to go into. Obviously, I've been under a lot of coaches as well, so um, I, I kind of feel I know what the best way is sort of thing, but obviously I could do my levels first and maybe I'll learn, learn a bit through that. Naturally, I coach as I play, as I train with the boys, more on a one-on-one there. So yeah, I, I think I can break down skills really well, teach boys how to do them properly, so maybe that'll be a strength of mine. We started last season, you had this talented back line outside you, you were credited with pulling the strings for them. As the season went on, you, you, you fell one by one, are you hoping that this season will actually <laughs> yeah, last true. a bit longer? Yeah, true. You know, and I, you know, I think the management held their hands up a little bit. You know, they probably overtrained us a bit, but I think that was down to him trying to find out who, who he wanted here. So we had to pay the price for that a little bit, you know, especially performance-wise, individually on game days. This year is going to be much more serious, and I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, I can be first choice. An interesting chance to hear something different next week. We'll look forward to the new season in detail on the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until then, goodbye.